0: Episode 146 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It's a true community. Adelphi is founding partners of all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates as well as their own. The overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle but with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi offers an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to other partners, trainers, bloodsock advisors, and other members of the team. Join the club now. And now, let's start episode 146. It is Belmont weekend coming up. Good evening, everyone. This is your host, Howard Kravitz. Episode 146 of the HHH Racing Podcast. We are primed and ready for two fantastic nights in a row right here on the podcast discussing the unbelievable fantastic cards on Friday and Saturday. Tonight we'll be talking about the Friday card, more specifically the late pick five with fantastic memory line maker and analyst at Naira, Mr. David Aragona. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. After you do that, hit that notification bell. That'll tell you when new content will arise. And of course, smash that like button so we can get plenty of new viewers on the show. And it will tell YouTube that this is a high-quality show to watch. You can see my name tag there, at hkravitz is my Twitter handle. And at the bottom of the screen, You can reach me, hkravitzhorse, at gmail.com. A few administrative items, and then we'll get started. First of all, as you can see on the uh, screen right now, I want to make a big announcement. Tomorrow, there's a minor time change. Tomorrow's show will start an hour later. We'll start at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, tomorrow, Thursday night, with the one and only Anthony Stabile covering the Saturday card. We'll start at 9 p.m. PM Eastern tomorrow. Uh, My travel plans change a little bit, and I'm going to be getting a little bit later. I'll be live at the hotel in Queens, New York, uh, with our fantastic guests for that podcast. So again, 9 PM tomorrow. Uh, A few other quick things. If you've been paying attention on Twitter or you noticed, let me go ahead and share my screen because we have a new uh, segment that I just started that some of you are aware. Let me go full screen here. Of course, this is my YouTube page right here. But if you go down. A little further down the page, you see something called snapshots there in the middle. I've started a new segment called snapshots. These are less than 10-minute videos. Again, less than 10-minute videos. These are videos that are not on our flagship podcast, like tonight, for example. So again, snapshots uh, Snapshots are less than 10-minute videos, and they preview stake races from across, across the country. I already have three of them up. Uh, The three I have up already on the YouTube channel uh, are for Thursday's card. So, again, check out HHH Snapshots, sub-10-minute videos previewing stake races not covered on the major uh, flagship podcast we have. Of course, you can listen uh, to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And also, another big announcement, next week... The HHH Racing Podcast online store is going to be up. That is the plan. We're playing on Wednesday. T-shirts, pullovers, hoodies, hats, a lot of other things. I think someone I know might be getting some free merch waiting backstage there. But uh, if you want to purchase, it's going to be very inexpensive. Uh, Please check out the Racing Podcast merchandise store. It will be up in the middle of next week. And then finally, the Race Day blog. If you're not subscribed to the Race Day blog, Highly recommend you check it out. Spot plays, pride plays. My current ROI is $3.06 on there. The average is $1.60, so we're crushing it. Also give ABC uh, grids, pick fives uh, at different tracks throughout the country. It's been very profitable. It's very inexpensive. You can see on the screen. um, Or, of course, you can look below the video player. Just click show more. Again, click the show more mon- uh, button below the video player for all of the promotions. All right. That takes care of all the promos. Let's see who we have here. Christine Race is already here. Uh, Steve Pogel is here already. He's got a question. What a great question, Steve. Uh, our uh, guest, uh, I'll have him answer that question uh, because I know David will be great at answering that. Before we bring on David Ergo, let's very quickly bring on my excellent co host from the East Coast, Paul Visco, <laughs> and a Pete Visco, wow, and Paul Howard. I changed your guys' names. Getting our How names wrong tonight?
1: already, huh? How soon he forgets, Pete. Did he start drinking for the weekend already? Is that what's Apparently, happening? Apparently, I hope so. I mean, that's I fine, know. but just making sure we know.
0: I got to start early, guys. It's going to be a, a big weekend. Uh, Belmont weekend's fantastic, guys. I know you've done a lot of work. Hey, Pete, why don't you tell people real quick what's going to be happening uh, tomorrow morning, we got a special uh, thing we're going to throw out to the uh, bloggers out there, correct?
1: Yeah, apparently. So uh, there's not going to be a race day blog for Friday, correct, uh, Howard? Yeah, correct. But as I did not know that, I prepared the uh, the stats of the day for Friday's card. So I sent that over to Howard. So you should be seeing that within either tonight or tomorrow coming across. So hopefully that helps you
2: guys out.
0: And, Paul, you've got a quick story you're writing, and then we'll bring on David. You want to share what, uh, what you're working on right now, what project?
2: Yeah, for Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred, I am working on a story. It uh, turns out that Rich Strike uh, has a connection to Pennsylvania. His third, fourth, and fifth dams were Pennsylvania breads. Uh, and the farm, uh, the family that bred those horses, the third generation of the family, Charlie Lyman and his wife, Nina, are still running the oldest working thoroughbred farm in Pennsylvania, Maui Meadow Farm. And the the Maui, there's a Hawaii connection in there. So it'll all be in the July
0: uh, edition of uh, uh,
2: Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred. Terrific.
0: Well, listen, our co-hosts are working hard for not only you folks, but the general public to find everyone some winners and give you some great information. All right, guys, we got a lot to talk about, and our guest is patiently waiting. Let's bring them on. He really needs no introduction at all. He's the mooring line maker for Naira. Does a fantastic job. If not, he's one of the best, if not the best mooring line makers in the country. He's an excellent handicapper. We've had him on the show before, and we are very proud to have him on once again to take us through the late pick five on Friday's Fantastic Card. Please welcome David Aragona. David, how
3: are you doing tonight? doing pretty well happy to join you guys it's an exciting week in racing so excited to talk about it with you a lot of people might say this friday card is a little bit better for wagering opportunities than saturday so hopefully we can give out some uh, some winners
0: yeah i hear there's uh, there's been a little talk on twitter about small fields i hear i don't know anyway we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna broach that subject i think i've gotten five tweets and about 15 dms and 20 emails like how can we talk about the small listen we'll address it guys but uh No matter what anyone thinks about the field sizes, the racing this weekend, David, is, as always, on this weekend. But in general, in New York, but this weekend, I
3: mean, all the stars are out, David. Yeah, that Saturday card. I mean, you just have uh, champions, uh, real stars of the sport competing in almost all of the great one races they've assembled. And unfortunately, in this day and age, when you get those elite horses to compete, nobody really wants to show up to run against them. Uh, but uh, we do have some interesting matchups that day. So a lot to look forward to over the weekend.
0: By the way, digging your uh, background is different than when you were on the show before. You got a lot of pictures, got a little, maybe is that a fireplace somewhere. I don't know. You, I love the background yeah. going on.
3: I recently moved. Yeah, this is my new oh. office. Uh, yeah, a little, okay. little mantelpiece piece there. Some, I got Very some Rachel nice. Alexandra, I think some Aragate.
0: <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, listen, David, I actually didn't tell my co-host what I wanted to do first, but I thought about this uh, sort of last minute. and I said, if we're going to have David Aragorn on the show, we got to ask him this question. I want to talk just for a minute, even though we're going to be discussing the Friday card, I do want to talk a minute about the morning line in the Belmont. Uh, stakes, uh, because there's been a few questions that I've had. So I'm going to bring up very quick, just a, like a three-minute discussion. I'm going to bring up the morning line for the Belmont. Again, if you don't know, David Aragon does the morning line for Naira, and I have to take a, uh, this opportunity. My, I'm going to ask you a question, David, and then uh, there's actually a question already posted from our fantastic uh, viewers that they want to ask you. My question is, and again, for people that are not familiar with morning lines, this is not... David's opinion of what the morning uh, of what the morning line is going to be. This is his opinion of what the public believes the morning line is going to be. My one question for you, David, is why do you believe the public will make We the People the favorite over Modano?
3: I mean, I know the horses that competed in the Kentucky Derby typically are the ones that take most of the money in the Belmont Stakes. That's an angle that's worked for many years, and people do latch onto that, but. As I handicapped the race making the morning line, I just couldn't get past the fact that We the People looks to have such uh, obvious pace advantage. And I felt like when other people sat down to handicap this race, they would just see that same thing staring them in the face. Uh, So uh, I went with him as the favorite uh, drawing the rail, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't think post position matters that much in the Belmont Stakes. I would imagine Flavian Pratt's just going to send him out to the front end, and it's a matter of how much he wants to open up on the field. And I feel like anybody who's handicapping the race is going to kind of line things up in their head that way. And I think it's just a matter of whether people believe he's good enough to win the race. He is coming in with the best last out buyer speed figure. So He's got that going for him. As I handicapped the race myself, it just felt like there were so many arrows pointing at this one horse that I felt like the public would end up going in the same direction.
0: David, how much do you balance the last race, which I know a lot of amateur handicappers look at too much. I think we'd all agree. How much do you balance that last race and that big fig versus the pace scenario?
3: I mean, obviously, he had things his own way last time, and that helps. Uh, when a horse gets a perfect trip, that's typically when they achieve their best speed figures. But it's not like you can hold that against him because he's supposed to get a similar situation, if not a more favorable one of the Belmont stakes. It's just a matter of whether or not you trust them to get the added distance. If you think that the sloppy track last time maybe made that a fluky number or a fluky performance, that he really liked the going that day. Initially it looked like it might be a sloppy track for Belmont. Fortunately, the forecast has cleared up a little bit, so he's likely to be running over a fast track. But uh just it feels like a horse that might be improving at the right time. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I just want to compliment you again, not because you're on the show. I've said it on Twitter, and other places. I think you do a fantastic job. As Pete and Paul know, I was very critical of some of the mooring lines at Churchill. I know you guys have a very difficult job. I've never made a mooring line, it's very difficult. But I just want to compliment on the great job that you do. Speaking of which, we do have a quick question, David, and then we're going to get into handicapping right away. This is from Steve Pogel. You'll see questions on the bottom of the screen. As David is an experienced HHH Racing Podcast guest. Uh, Simple answer to how the line is made in the mathematical formula. I know you've answered this question a zillion times. But I think it's great, too. We we have a lot of new viewers, some younger viewers. Uh, David, I think it's important to explain this to the general public who really are a little bit in the dark, I think most people, on how you create those morning lines
3: yeah so the morning line as you were kind of alluding to before the purpose of it is to sort of predict what the final odds are going to be and when you're looking at the odds for the race it's based on paramutual wagering how much money people have bet if you added up all the odds on the tote board it would add up to a certain number so when you make the morning line you sign each set of odds uh, a a point value and then you add those up to try to get to the same point total that the live odds would be typically uh it's more than what you would see when you make a value line because you're factoring in the takeout for the track and the wind pool. Uh, so that's why uh, sometimes uh, you'll see people when they make a value line, the prices will be a little higher than the morning line. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, if you're assigning a horse even money, that takes up about half the points that you have allotted to you or a little bit uh, less than that. Uh, so uh, you have to be judicious about how you uh, give out those prices. D- um, David, uh, oh, excuse me. Howard. I was just going to ask David, is that number
2: um, race to race or is there, or is there a formula that it, that that overall number you're trying to get to is roughly the same across the board?
3: I know people have different ways of doing it. For me, I keep it the same across the board, regardless of the field size. I try to hit that, you know, for me, 125 to 129 is like the sweet spot. Um, so I, I just go for that, whether it's a 14 horse field or a five horse field, the odds add up the same. So it doesn't really, I don't really view it differently. Uh, so I just try to always go for that number in that range.
0: By the way, I heard Uriah St. Louis uh, was walking down to Shedro and whispered to Informative, who's running in the Met Mile, did you hear David put us at 50 to 1? What are you going to do about that? David, have you ever had a trainer or anyone say, whether it be friendly or not so friendly? Like, I mean, come on, dude. What are you doing?
3: One time uh when I was in my first year of making the morning line, I had uh somebody at Naira actually relay to me that uh, an owner complained that I made their horse 50 to 1 in a grade one stakes race. Uh it was in the summer of 2018. You could probably look up who it was if you wanted to. Uh, I yeah, but no, I uh <laughs> have to to the fire You don't have to give us a name, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah, no. That did that did happen one time, but I feel like most of the time traders don't care that much.
1: Yeah. Did well, the horse guys... did the horse run like a 50 to one shot? Were you uh were you <laughs> were you right in the end do you remember
3: uh i mean it did not that i mean i think it got went off at 40 something to one so maybe i was a little bit off but
0: (laughs) yes all right well anyway uh we know it's a very difficult job you guys you know you know it's it's, i'm I'm a teacher david it's like you never sort of you know get the respect or the credit sometimes you deserve so anyway congratulations uh on the great job you do uh before we get into the handicapping guys i do want to show Uh, one other thing uh, about the exotics. There's a lot of bets going on. I'm just uh, making the screen bigger here. There are a lot of really exciting bets and two-day bets. I'm just showing a very quick article. I'm going to show it right now here from uh, DRF. Let me go full screen. People want to know about what's happening in terms of the exotic wagering. And, of course, you can go to DRF and read this for yourself. But there is a uh, a two-day 20-cent minimum base bet pick six. You can – Read it for yourselves. I don't need to read it. So I'll just scroll down quickly for those people who haven't seen this. There is a two-dollar minimum uh, pick four covering the New York Stakes and Intercontinental. We're going to be talking about those races, along with the Manhattan and the Belmont. Then there is a there are many multiple daily doubles. You can see them on the screen. I don't need to read them uh, for you. There is a bet that I'm very interested in, guys, which I think Naira. I don't. I shouldn't say they stole it from Keeneland, but the first time I saw it. Was it Keeneland? That's a $3 base bet all turf pick three covering the Just the Game Jiper in Manhattan on Saturday. I am fascinated with that one, guys. And then there is the usual $1 pick six on Saturday and a bevy of pick threes, uh, pick fours. David, if anyone's interested in exotics, I mean, they have plenty to choose from. I know, let's just bring it up real quick. Last thing we'll say, we're not going to talk five hours about field size. But you know, no matter what kind of exact you like, what small fields do allow you to do, Dave, is play smaller tickets but at bigger increments. So to me, it's not that much of a negative from a betting standpoint if you know how to construct your ticket correctly.
3: Yeah, the smaller fields create different types of wagering opportunities than with large fields. It becomes more about having really strong handicapping opinions as opposed to just kind of glancing at the odds board and reading value and, uh, you know, getting through the races that way. So it... When you have those small field sizes and some very strong opinions, that does lend itself to putting together some multi-race bets and doing it, as you were alluding to, with some thinner tickets, maybe emphasizing the opinions with uh, multiple wagers, you know, that you really feel strongly about. Uh, so there are ways to definitely make some money on days that have speech or fa- small fields. You just, you know, need to have the handicapping opinions to back it up.
0: Yeah, and the, the, the last thing I'm going to say, because we're not going to talk about this for two hours today or tomorrow, we all want bigger fields. It's a major problem throughout the entire country. New York's not immune to it, but here's my take guys. And Pete and Paul, if you want to chime in for a minute, that's fine. Then I want to get into handicapping. What smaller fields does allow you to do is these horses are to probably get their best chance to run their best race. You're going to see maximum efforts from each horse. You're not going to have, you know, a cute five or six to one shot that you like getting hampered or stuck behind some 40 to one bomb that has no business being in the race. does anyone really want fields of 12 or six horses don't belong at all? I mean, Pete you, you, and Paul, I know Paul, you're a big horizontal player. I don't mind smaller fields because the quality is just so unbelievably, ridiculously good, Paul.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think a day like this is, is great. You know, um, I mean, selfishly, it's good because I have a lot of other stuff to do. And I don't know, I, I, I could spend less time on the races. But uh, no, like you said, you know, it is what it is. They look the, the full crop in 21 was 17,000. 20 years ago, it was 40,000. So it's an issue. You know, there are right now, there are too many races, not in New York. But, you know, there's a trickle-down effect. You know, there there are more races than there are horses. And we had a horse, as as David knows, we had a race on New York Showcase, Big Apple Showcase Day on Memorial Day. The feature race didn't fill the commentator. So that sent American Revolution to Churchill Downs where I loved him and I killed him there. Um, You know, we have a four-horse field Friday. We'll maybe touch on before the pick five that – I'm not going to be shocked if it ends up in a three-horse field because the the cynic in me thinks that Jimmy Ferraro may have been nudged into entering so they could run a four. They can't they can't card a three-horse race, I believe, David. Right? It has to be at least four in order to to make the card. But hey, it is what it is. You know, you spend the same amount of money and play four-dollar pick fives instead of fifty-cent pick fives, and you got to be right, no matter if there's three horses or twelve. In my case, you know, you got to be right four or five races in a row, which it proves very difficult for me.
0: <laughs> Pete, I'll let you chime in if you'd like to, or we can just go right to handicapping.
1: No, I was going to say I agree with everything and and if you look at the 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 pick 5 sequence we'll talk about tomorrow that ends in the Belmont I mean there's a 10 horse field and a 13 horse field that sort of wraps around the the smaller field so there's different wagering opportunities and like you said if you get the best horses it stinks when you have a small field and you have a horse that maybe just lays over it and it's just sort of a small boring field but I think some of these that we'll see and we're going to talk about one in a in a little bit where it might be short, but it's deep and and that and it's top heavy. So that just makes for an interesting race and it makes for some interesting betting opportunities.
0: Well, not only that, if you can beat a two to five or three to five, I mean, the pick five will exponentially grow. So, yeah. again, uh, we're going go to get right. We're going to handicapping right now, guys. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Let's jump into the pick five, which starts on Friday. I'm going to go ahead and, and share my screen here. David, you're as our special guest. You're always going to be going first, just to let you know. Whoops, I didn't want to. We're good with that. Uh, The pick five, I'm going to show on the bottom of the screen, as you guys know, will be the uh, ticker. Uh, David, I've switched to a ticker just to make it a little smaller, and you can see everyone's picks as they go across the screen. The first leg on Friday of the pick five is race seven. Starts at approximately 4.09 Eastern Standard Time. It is a non-stake race. It is a nice allowance race. For Phillies and mares, 3 old and up. They're going six furlongs. There you see the eight-horse field uh, on the screen with a big line favorite for Chad Brown and Manny Franco. The number six speaks for itself. Whoops, didn't want to do that. We wanted to do that. I'll go ahead and switch it. David, go ahead as I go ahead and switch this. Uh, who are you going with here to open up the pick five?
3: Yeah, I mean, I picked against her. I wouldn't say that I'm way against Speaks for itself. She is much the horse to beat in this race. Uh, I mean, she earned a nice speed figure for that debut. And if you go and watch the race, it's even more visually impressive than that speed figure would indicate because, I mean, she had the race wrapped up at the quarter pole and Manny Franco basically just eased up on her from the eighth pole home. Uh, She could have won by double-digit margin and just was basically, uh, you know, eased into the wire. She is... Uh, A pretty talented Philly. Uh, I don't know if she was beating much first time out. It was a race that featured a number of first time starters. We haven't seen the runner up run back yet. The third place finisher did come back to win, but did so with just, I think, the same speed figure, the buyer speed figure at Monmouth in her next race. Uh, So it remains to be seen what was behind her. But when a horse wins as impressively as she did, sometimes that doesn't really matter. My reservations with her are, she's going to be a very, very short price. I'm not going to be surprised if she goes much lower than the even money I pegged her at. And there's quite a bit of speed in this race. I mean, mischievous Diane are inside, Baba, uh, O'Gotten Girl to the outside. They're all horses that want to be forwardly placed. Speaks for itself, did not have to deal with that kind of pressure in her debut. She just got out to the front end all by herself. So could be a different scenario here. Chad Brown doesn't have great numbers with second-time starters that broke their maidens in their debut on the dirt. That's just not a stat, a good stat for him. Uh, they're always overbet. So I went in a different direction with the number one, Jane Gray, who um, I think is the second choice of the line, although a distant second choice. Um, kind of like the favorite. She's coming off a debut win, but hers was... Almost two years ago at Saratoga when she was a two-year-old, obviously she's had a number of setbacks that have kept her off the track for this much time. I think she was briefly in training last year as a three-year-old, again went to the sidelines and is finally getting back to the races here. I just find it interesting that we're even seeing her again because being uh, a Godolphin runner, buy into mischief with a ton of damn side pedigree, I'm sure there were some temptation some to just make her a broodmare, uh, but she's coming back to the races. It appears that she's training well for her return. She's going to have to step forward off this debut race that we're looking at to beat speaks for itself. But like I said, she was just a two-year-old back then, so maybe with routine improvement, uh, she can be competitive here. Bill Mott does have good stats off extended layoffs like this. So I took a shot with her, but the, the favorite is a pretty likely winner, and I don't deny that.
0: Yeah, I don't really have too much to add uh, to that. Uh, Paul, you are uh, going also with the six and the one, uh, two. Pete, you're going six, one, two. Uh, we're all pretty much have six, one, first and second. Um, Paul, did you want to add anything to what David said? Uh, no,
2: other than I came very, very close to picking the one. And now I wish I had because I think David is the sharpest one on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, uh, no Mott is. That. Uh, Mott is uh, 15% dirt sprints, 180 days, but only a 97-cent ROI. But, you know, certainly even as an extended layoff as this, you know, some trainers, uh, I'm sure David and Pete would agree, you just don't worry that much about it. And I think Bill Mott's one of them. Um, I think the pace scenario, as David discusses, is interesting because this six did have it uh, all her own way interesting yeah. about the six is a four-year-old uh maiden you know i mean i guess yeah. when you pay 320 for them you, you are you're going to be patient but you know klarovich paid 320 for this horse and obviously this horse had to have some issues too to not make it to the races till april of her uh four-year-old year
0: pete anything you'd like to comment about this race
2: no, just the thing I was going to say
1: was the the pace scenario is kind of weird because if you look at sort of the time form, the three, the three top pay, early pace figures you have speaks for itself was only had one race. So, again, yeah. that it could be it could be inflated. It could it could not be what it was. It was a little bit of a weaker field. You have mischievous Diane, who another one who just doesn't doesn't have a lot of races, hasn't run since 2021. So again, you think that's going to be someone who's up on the pace. The one has a little bit of speed, but doesn't necessarily, you know, again, hasn't run in a while. And then Ogotten Girl, whose last few races were on, were on turf. So you're not 100% sure if that speed's going to work out. So it's one of those where on paper, it looks like there might be some speed, but they're all a little bit of questionable speed. So it it makes it interesting to see what the pace is going to look like.
0: By the way, a little inside info, this is absolutely true. I found out today uh, from Matt Couture, the managing partner of Adelphi Racing, who is hosting me this weekend, that I will be in the same box as Ray Handel, who trains the four. So if I get any uh, info, I will keep it to myself. I'm not going to tell anyone, but I'm curious to see how he feels. Mischievous Diane uh, is working. She sure likes she's working well. I guess I'll just end with this question, David. I mean, you've been handicapping a long time, as have I and the other uh, and Pete and Paul, I mean, isn't this sixth the kind of horse you're, you're supposed to try to beat at least? I mean, big number, uh, you know, first time out, facing much tougher horses this time, debuted as a four-year-old. I mean, it, maybe she's just going to run off the screen again, but she could also regress too.
3: Yeah, in these situations, I try to let the stats be my guide, and I was looking it up in formulator over the past five years. Chad Brown with second-time starters that won on debut in dirt sprints, He's six for 31, which is a 19% win rate. That's okay. But the ROI is a dollar and a cent. So uh, just, you know, they're they're not winning at nearly the rate that they're getting bet. Yeah. Well, it's
0: going to be interesting. We'll see if this six just runs off the screen uh, for Chad Brown. Could be a very nice uh, four-year-old filly for Clarivich Stables. All right, guys, let's go on. To race eight. This is the first of four graded stakes within the sequence. Now, there was a graded stake in the third. It's a four horse field. My daughter obligatories in that race. I say my daughter, David, because I've bet her a few times at a price over the years, as people know on this podcast, and she's come through for me. We're not going to talk about that stake, but there are four other uh, stakes, and this is always a fascinating one. It's a relatively uh, new stake that, that's run on this weekend. It's the Belmont Gold Cup. It's a grade two. They are going Yes, that is correct. You see it correctly on the screen. Two miles, real marathon on the turf for four-year-olds and up. Always brings in some interesting Euros. Uh, There are two Euros coming in, one from Germany, one from uh, Great Britain, in Loft and and Outbox. And David has made the number four Outbox for uh, Watson. And Holly Doyle coming in to ride, which is fantastic, one of the best – Riders out in Europe, male or female, very exciting. Uh, two to one mooring line, and David, you are going to go with that horse out box on top.
3: Yeah, I'll say right off the bat, I'm not going to be surprised if this is a line that I'm wrong about because there's a lot of guesswork to be done in this race, and most of these horses haven't tried the distance. And I'm really not going to be shocked if I'm wrong about the two Euro horses and the prices are flip flopped because I. A lot of people that I've seen are rating Loft higher than Outbox, which surprises me a little bit. Um, The Euros have a great record in this Belmont Gold Cup. I guess that's no big surprise, given that it's a two-mile race and we don't run that distance very often at all in this country. Hey, Uh, David, I'm
0: sorry. David, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to show this because I knew knew this would come up. If you don't mind, I think this is interesting. If you want to talk a little bit, this is what you're referring to. These are the results of the recent Gold Cups.
3: Yeah, and I'm glad to get it now. I feel like the That's Euros the have won this race, I want to say, four years in a row. Yeah, four yes. years in
0: a row, correct.
3: Yeah, uh, so they have a fantastic record. I will say, I feel like in past years, the Europeans that have come over have been of a slightly higher quality than the two that are in this race. I would agree. But it's not like the Americans are that convincing going the two mile distance anyway. So uh, they might still have the same advantage that they usually do. Um, As for those two runners, I did put them one, two. I did give preference to outbox. Uh, We'll see what price he turns out to be. Um, But uh, kind of an interesting Euro horse because he was, extremely busy last year you rarely see europeans that made 16 starts in a season just given the way the racing calendar works with most of the racing concentrated from spring till fall but he managed to get in 16 starts surprisingly after coming off a two-year layoff in january 2021 so um he's been very busy but he's handled the schedule pretty well he's run against some good horses overseas i mean if you go i think like seven or eight starts back he faced off against hookham and ran a nice race a couple of times against that rival he He came back last week to win the Group One Coronation Cup at epsom and more recently outbox two back was just less than a length behind yabir and that one's prep for the man of war uh yabir did lose the favorite in that race but he's still a very nice horse and outbox was third there there um he was disappointing last time had a bit of an awkward start didn't get into his usual position on the front end so maybe that was the excuse but i have to take it as a good sign that they're shipping him right over to the us as if nothing's really wrong coming out of that race holly doyle has been his regular rider for a long time she knows him well he's a horse that likes to be forwardly placed doesn't need the lead but wants to be prominent so i don't think he's going to be that compromised by some other speed in the field and you might see that that pattern of mile and a half races recently but he has tried the two miles in the past on all weather and he's gone i think as far as a mile and seven eighths on the turf competitively so i'm not that concerned about the distance T- to me he just feels like the horse to beat. and the other year, loft um it's just hard to know what to make of that German form. I know we've seen some German horses race outside of the country and do well, particularly uh, Torquater Tasso, who won the Pre de l'Arc de Triomphe at right. a huge price last year for, I believe, this same trainer. Yes. It just, you know, this horse's recent races, I don't think he was facing that much. He did handle the two miles last time. Another horse that can race somewhat prominently, though he probably wants to be more in mid pack. I just, to me, he was a bit of a wild card. And, I guess if he's a better price than the other one, I could be convinced, but I'm not sure he's going to be. So, I gave the um, I gave the the edged out box.
0: I just want to mention the regular rider, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the name, so I apologize. I, I'm not going to go there. But um, was planning on riding Loft, but had some visa issues and is not riding. But Andre Stark, there the, the, the uh, or I'm sorry, it's Andreas. I can't remember his first name. I apologize. But anyway, uh, this is an experienced jockey. He's ridden. In the United States before he's a very good jockey to me. That doesn't matter too much. The other thing I want to ask you David, before we get comments from Paul and Peter is I know people don't like talking about the weather uh, from what I understand you guys tomorrow morning out there are supposed to get a, a decent amount of rain. Um, I don't think it's going to be firm on Friday. My guess is it's going to be on the good side. If I I know it's been pretty nice out there in general um, German breads in general do run very well on softer turf and you can see four back, this horse ran fantastic going left-handed on a yielding turf course. So I would think, David, I don't know if this came into your calculation as a handicap or as a morning line maker, but a softer turf you would think can only help this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't like to play weatherman too much, but it does feel like there's a possibility some of the Thursday races come off the turf and maybe there's some giving the ground for Friday, but I don't don't think it's going to be some kind of bog. Uh, The raid they are initially predicting probably is not going to come. So we'll see how soft it is. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt either of these horses. And as you noted, Loft has that win over a yielding course. So certainly not a negative for him.
0: Uh, Paul, you also have the four on top. You've got the five in second though, Paul
2: yeah i mean i'm you know i'm looking for the story as you know how would i write for the special and and the website this is horse com and i will be writing on friday and i'm very intrigued by the holly doyle story as far as i could tell she's been she definitely was over here for the juvenile turf sprint in 2020 and i could not find another instance of of her being over here she actually rode for this same trainer uh archie watson a 68 to one shot in the 2020 uh, juvenile sprint and finished 11th but uh i am intrigued i think that would be a good story uh, and i think the horse looks good on paper um I, I did you know i did i did break up the euros with a uh a an american uh strong tide uh i thought that 102 buyer uh two back although that was that was in the mud but his his turf uh racing is is pretty good um there's a lot of guesswork. He's run a mile and a half, four races in a row, two on turf, two on dirt. You know, you, you got to see who has what left. You know, who's closing that much after running a mile and a half and a mile and three quarters. So uh, I'm I'm rooting for the uh, Holly
0: Doyle story because I, I think it could be a good story. Pete, I sort of stole your thunder realizing you have this horse on top. Now, for those of you, uh, David, I want to let you know that Pete Visco. Uh, the gentleman right underneath me uh, last week, picked a 40 to one shot. That's right. 40 to one shot in the last leg of the Churchill downs pick five. So if anyone has any doubts about this show or Pete's ability to find a price horse, this horse is not going to be 40 to one. We should listen to Pete. Pete, what'd you like about strong Tide?
1: Yeah. Too bad. The first four legs didn't go, didn't go as smooth. <laughs> well, we don't <laughs> need to talk about <laughs> that. Just the last one they actually yeah, on. It would have been nice to end with that $400,000 <laughs> pick five or whatever it wound up paying. But so I, the, the similar to what, um, so the, the one with the five, I, I saw it It actually ran in the race last year and, and was, was dreadful, but it was also a yielding course. So you can maybe sort of excuse that. One thing I just liked is this one. I mean, this is one that bounces from the dirt to the turf, which I don't always love because you just want to see it do what you think it's good at. But I was watching that last race and, you know, it stepped up into a grade three and it was it was sitting in a perfect trip in that last race and it almost looked like it had a hole, but it was, I don't know if, um, Pedroza wasn't as aggressive as maybe he should have been, but as soon as he tried to tried to creep up slowly and got pinched really bad and and then just backed up, it was sitting a perfect trip where actually could have potentially won that race. I thought just watching it and okay. I'm looking at it going, if that horse wins that race, Then now you're looking at maybe, you're maybe looking at a better price or a lower price. You're actually, you're getting a better price now. So I was looking at, I think it has some back races that fit with the rest of this field. Like David was saying, these these euros aren't the strongest euros we've ever seen. They're not coming out of like top class races, so they agree. may be vulnerable. And the American contingent in here isn't that strong, so I think this one might be worth a flyer, and you get a decent price, and you pick up Dylan Davis, who's who's been who's been doing pretty well at this meet. So um, I figure all those combined, and I'll take a shot with this
0: one. I tend to agree with David. I'm just gonna go with the euros in this type of situation. I want the one as a slight uh, top choice, mainly David because he's younger and he's got more upside and and he's a little more, I think you're going to get a better price with the German breeding. I I don't want to take the time, but there are two horses we have to briefly talk about. I've got the three and third and I highly recommend people watch the last replay because this horse had a little bit of trouble in the stretch. This is a newly turned four-year-old Barbara Minshall is a very underrated trainer up in Canada. I think this horse is getting better and better. I love the breeding. I don't think the distance is going to be an issue. It gets Rosario has a little bit of tactical speed. I'm very into this three. This three horse is a B as in boy for me in the pick five. I just I'd recommend people take a deep look at this horse. I just like upside. Only a four year old. I think British has a very long stride by the way. And when you watch the replay, I much prefer this horse over the uh, number six and they were coming out of the same race two back so go watch that race two back i much prefer uh the three over the six in my opinion out of that race i mean of course we haven't talked about at all who's the second choice here in this race is the todd pletcher trained a bond david i'll let you finish this conversation of this race i mean none of us pete has him in second but w- why are we so much against this horse david
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think a bond is impossible in this race. Uh, He's proven that he handles the distance. Probably didn't do it against the best horses at Gulfstream. But I mean, some of the horses that finished behind him that day, they're not that bad relative to the Americans that are in here. Uh, So I mean, I guess he does deserve some respect. I just felt like he's got some of these flashy buyers showing uh, he's going to be perceived as clearly the best American in this race. And I'm not sure that he's necessarily that much better than a horse like Strong Tide, who I completely agree with everything Pete said about. Um, So I felt like he could be a little bit of an underlay, but uh, I'm not going to be shocked that he does well in here because we know he gets the distance.
0: I agree. I think he can do well in here, but I don't, I'm not sure about this softer Belmont turf that we're going to get on Friday. I don't think the distance is going to help this horse at all. All right, let's go on to the next race, guys. Uh, Obviously, this is the third leg. This is race. Nine, By the way, we have a huge audience right now. Thank you very much for joining the HHH Racing Podcast tonight with our wonderful guest, David Aragon, as we go through the late pick five on Friday. This is a stake race. And boy, is there a horse in here that is a headliner. It's the True North. It's a grade two. They're going six and a half furlongs for older males. $300,000 is the purse. And the number three is Jackie's Warrior. Needs no introduction whatsoever. Steve Asmussen, Joel Rosario, David, this is just a fantastic sprinter
3: yeah and it's great to see the connections running him every month like they did last year uh they're not shying away from an opportunity and frankly that's how jackie's warrior won the eclipse in 2021 because he didn't show up in the breeders cup sprint but he had already compiled this resume by just running every 30 days throughout the year in all the races that were important in the division uh so i, I like that they're taking the same strategy this year and uh unsurprisingly, with it being a grade two, nobody of his stature has really showed up to face him. I guess the connections could have considered the bet mile, but I understand why they chose this spot instead, given that it's, it's available and it was coming up kind of soft. Um, there is other speed in this race, but he's so fast and he's dealt with other horses that have tried to press him before and just kind of flicks them away. I mean, he's just so much faster than these horses. He just has this class about him that uh, it, it's pretty hard to see him getting beat here unless something goes really awry.
0: Well, just real quick, there is a lot of speed now, maybe not. And someone already asked me about that. You know, if you uh, do you talk to Craig Milkowski at all about the morning, creating the morning lines, David, someone asked in the chat, um, if you communicate with Craig on a regular basis to help you at all with the morning lines, just out of curiosity.
3: No, we don't. I don't bother him with that stuff. He has plenty of other things to He's, worry about. Okay. Uh, but I mean, I do use his speed figures and his data, sure. especially when I'm looking at pace and stuff like that, uh, to figure out uh, how these races are going to shake out. I do factor that in, but no, I don't. Sure. I don't consider his opinion.
0: I, I should have. I, I misspoke, with David. I wasn't suggesting that the commenter or me. You need his help, but I think oh, do no. you use the speed. <laughs> oh, I do. Get you it. Yeah. obviously you use the pace figures <laughs> to help determine. Yeah. You know the, the, how the race is going to develop. Mister Phil is fast on the inside. Just want to show people. Uh. War wartoxin War Toxin is, is a speedy type. Uh, Baby Yoda is it's just, wow, what a, what a crazy career this horse has had. Of course, the one day he absolutely went nutso at Saratoga. I loved Olympia that day, but that's another story for another time. You can watch my uh, replay with uh, with Vic Stauffer that day because I loved Olympiad. But anyway, Baby Yoda's got some speed. Uh, what is nighttime going to do? Not go? Uh, sound money? There is a lot of speed in this race, uh, David, but again, um, I'll just, I'll end my question uh, on this race with you is let's just say, I mean, it is a horse race. If Jackie's where somehow doesn't get the lead, makes a small stumble, do you think he's capable of just sitting and passing? Because he really hasn't shown that ability to do that.
3: Well, I'll say, and you brought up Craig Malkowski, who makes the time form US speed figures and pace figures. And I believe those are the best in the business. Um, I don't think there is a horse racing in the United States that has a higher early pace rating than the 137 that Jackie's okay. Warrior is currently carrying around. Uh, so um, he's just extremely fast, and I think anybody else who tries to go with him is going to pay the price as long as he breaks well. Um, if there's some mishap at the gate, I, I suppose anything can happen. Uh, that's uh, how we got beaten the Woody Stevens last year. So um, you know. Trip can always beat a horse, but uh, assuming things go as planned, he's going to be uh, tough to reel in.
0: As a host, I should never be asking a question. I should be answering, but is Flight Lines not faster? I'll have to take a look at that. But maybe, maybe one of you guys can take a look at it. He's got to be pretty damn close, David. Um, I think his is a 134,
3: 133. It's okay,
0: be... I'm sure you're correct. But those are just incredibly fast. Animals.
3: 134, you're right, Dave.
0: Okay, of course. Of course, David's on top of everything. Um, I'll tell you, let's go to Paul because Paul's like, you know what? Uh, two to five, one to 10. I don't care. Paul, I love your guts. You are going, you got to explain yourself, sir. I'm going to put you on camera too. You got to explain yourself with baby Yoda.
2: Well, look, I've seen Jackie's warrior in person more than once. I, I get it. You know, um, I looked at it this way. If he is not going to win, who do I think is, is there a scenario to beat him and, and, Albeit highly unlikely, I think the scenario is David mentioned horses going with him and getting cooked. And I agree. And maybe, just maybe, that softens him up just a little. Again, highly You know Kendrick, who goes on everything, is certainly going on this horse from the rail. Uh, I think nighttime is, is going to show speed. And, you know, look, at Baby Yoda was in a 20,000 starter allowance last time. I get it. However, he is in good form. He's a Mott, again. His buyers are consistent. He would would have to jump up a lot. You know, obviously, Jackie's Warrior is an A for me, but we talked about small fields and trying to get value, and I want to be able to hit the thing if a horse like this loses because probably 80% of people are going to have him as a single. So I, I want to have an alternative while I'm using him. So that's probably a weak explanation,
0: but that's all you got. Pete, real quick, you have a source also uh, in second in ABC construction. Where would you put your four, a C or a B? I'm assuming. Yeah, no,
1: I, I sort of have the. I like the four and the six as as Bs. If you wanna if you wanna categorize okay. it, where I would say I'd single probably Jackie's Warrior on my main ticket. But like Paul said, I'd I, I would take a shot only because and David sort of alluded to this. There is a a, a bunch of speed now. No one's as fast as Jackie's Warrior, but if someone goes nuts then you figure someone off the pace. And I think the four and the six both have running styles and enough of a late kick to sort of sit off. And if things do heat up and go nuts at the front, then maybe, you know, then maybe you catch somebody like that. I mean, again, it's a, probably a pipe dream because Jackie's warrior is just so much classier and better and faster than these, but um, I wouldn't mind wasting a little bit on a ticket with, with two other horses, just because you can go skinny in some of the other legs, if you wanted to
0: guys, there's only one horse out, even, remotely consider and I do have this horse as a B. I've no C's. I think sound money is interesting. Now when I say interesting I think probably for a second and we all agree. There's two things I love about Sound Money, David, and everyone else. I love the turn back and I love the blinkers off. This horse is has got the bottom. If they go nuts up front, I think IRAD's gonna sort of I, I I shouldn't say take back, but I think he's just gonna, you know, run out of there, let the speed develop if there's a base collapse. To me, the only one that is capable of taking advantage is Sound Money. I like your 92 more line, David. I'm fascinated to see who's going to be second choice in this race. But Sound Money, to me, I know he's he's got a, you know he's beaten Zoomer, Dan, you know Danny California. Uh, he lost to Cody's Wish, who's a nice horse. I mean, every any of these horses are going to have to step up. But I love the Turnback, David, and I love the Blinkers Off. Do you think if there's going to be a closer to win this race, David, do you think sound money is the one or do you think it's someone might beat him on the lead if he were to lose?
3: Yeah, I think sound money uh, makes some sense as a horse that could pick up the pieces if there is a pace collapse. Uh, It's hard to find anybody in this race that can really do running from off the pace. And he did so early in his career, not so much lately, but like you said, they're taking the blinkers off. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the pace situation in this race is, Although there is other speed, in races like this, more often than not, it feels like some of these horses that get in here to challenge a big favorite, the connections start looking at the form and saying to themselves, (laughs) oh, you know, a second place or a third place in a grade two doesn't sound that bad, (laughs) and nobody challenges the horse, and they just ride for second or third. I I could see something like that happening here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to move on, because people at home, probably why why are they spending 20 minutes trying to beat a two and five? Uh, Because there's a lot of speed in this race, and it's horse racing. We've yeah. all seen it before, and if this race – if the horse loses, we're not wishing bad things. I hope Jackie's Warrior runs off the screen and breaks a track record, but whatever. I think that'd be cool because I'll be there in person to see it. But you know, you have to talk about some of these other horses. Uh, let's go ahead on the next race, guys. Race 10, I'm going to go ahead and put on, put this on the – didn't want to do that. Want to do that. There we go. Race 10 as I go ahead and also switch the banner – as you might recall, David, I do many things on the show. Uh, the New York stakes—it's a great one. It's at about 5:50 Eastern. This is for the older fillies and mares. This is a fantastic field, mainly of Chad Brown horses. They're going a mile and a quarter on the turf. Three quarters of a million dollars. I guess is the this is the uh, pick your Chad Brown horse uh, Invitational. If you'd like to say, uh, David, you are going with one of them. And I'm also a huge fan of this horse. Actually, uh, there's three of us going with this horse. Ruggier, Flavian Pratt, has the mount.
3: Yeah, a horse that already had credentials to last year when she was the winner of the Group 1 de L'Opera in France, uh, sold for a lot of money at the end of 2021 at auction. I believe the American equivalent is about $3.4 million. Uh, Peter Brandt and Michael Tabor and company dipped into to purchase her. And uh, clearly, I mean, she has broodmare value, but they're also making her into a racehorse now as a four-year-old. And uh, just felt like she got the perfect prep last time in the bogey to achieve a grade one victory in this country, but she's got the perfect opportunity to do in this New York. Uh, Wasn't beating the strongest field in the bogey, But she was much, much the best that day. Watching her run, uh, she's not a horse with the quickest turn of foot. She's more of a grinder. It takes her a little bit of time to hit top gear. But when she does get into top gear, I mean, she really motors away from this field at the end. Uh, You saw that similar grinding style on display in her French races from last year. She's the kind of horse that runs over any kind of going. The softer it is, maybe the better for her if there is Raiden uh, that comes on Thursday into Friday. Uh, So there's just a lot to like about her. The only thing that I don't like is the expected price. I made her six to five on the line. I'm not going to be surprised if she's around even money. Um, it just feels like she's got the class credentials to be maybe a cut above the other Chad Brown runners in here. And uh, before we hand it over, I'll just say there are four Chads in this race. It feels like three of them are in to win. I would imagine the number one flighty lady with Eric Hansell named a ride is in here to be a pace setter. Uh, Chad Brown has done this before, and she, she's probably a rabbit that's supposed to set a pace for the other three. Well,
0: let's talk about the other three. load David. Uh, number five, Bleecker Street, who um, I, Pete, I, I think Pete has on top five. Yeah, Pete has on top. Uh, you you made her five to two moing line. Um, I, for me, selfishly, again, this is no criticism of your moing line. I would never bet this horse at five to two on the win end. I think, She's a little light on her figs, but she is very visually impressive. And I suppose she could take a step forward, David, although she's, this is the toughest field she's ever faced and she's going to have to step it up on the buyer, on the buyer number. Correct.
3: Yeah. I mean, she obviously is coming in a little bit slower than the other two uh, main players, Virginia joy and Ruggier. Uh, But I will say, uh, you haven't done well underestimating this horse in the past. I mean, she started her career at Monmouth in the Meadowlands. You never thought she'd turn out to be a uh, graded stakes no. quality performer. And she just seems to keep improving with every start. So I don't want to discount her in that sense, but I do agree uh, based on the form she's compiled so far, she's not quite in the same class as a horse like Rougier.
0: Yeah. I'll selfishly, if you belong to my race day blog, we were fortunate to get her at seven to one in the Endeavor because that her third start of her career she won much easier than it looked and it was sort of a visually impressive effort and then she went off at a ridiculous 7-1 against Lady Spitespear um talk a little bit about Virginia Joy uh completely freaked uh in the in the Sheepshead Bay but got away with murder up front on a complete bog correct
3: Yeah, you really have to explain the circumstances of that sheep's head base speed figure. I mean, I don't take issue with the 100 buyer, and I think Craig's number of 124 was even a little bit higher than that. I mean, it's hard not to give a huge speed figure to a horse that wins a graded stakes on turf by 14 lengths, but it was a really unusual set of circumstances where... The, ra- the courses just got pelted with rain that weekend. They kept them on the turf when normally they would take those races off. Uh, one of the boggier turf courses you'll see horses ever run over in New York, especially at Naira. Um, so uh, you know, horses that got to the front end just had a huge advantage that day. I would judge her more off her prior form, which is fine. It's good. Um, but I put her more in the same category as a horse like Bleaker Street as opposed to Rugier.
0: I, I'll just say one comment and then Pete and Paul, if you want to chime in on anything, I don't know if there's too much to talk about in this race. I'd rather spend more time on the last race, but I don't know why this might be a completely ridiculous statement. There's something that tells me that Rugier is like a more likely wear than Jackie's warrior, which I know as an experienced handicapper sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I think Ruggier is a serious, serious animal and something about the pace. And the, I, we're not going to go back to the Jackie's warrior race, but There's something about the fact that Jack is war is on the inside with all this other speed that maybe can't go with him. I don't know. Ruggier is my lone A by far. I just don't like anyone else in this race. Um, I I know, I I suppose she can lose, but I I love Ruggier in this spot. Like, love her a lot. Um, Paul and Pete, do you guys want to comment on anything at all? I'll leave it open to you guys.
2: Yeah, I I think. Picking up a little bit, you showed the last race. I'll be honest. I think if you were going to beat Regia, the last time might have been the time, coming off the layoff, and um, you know maybe not quite as sharp. And you know, as David said, she she just kind of ran along. But then once <laughs> once she put it in high gear in the stretch,
0: Got you it.
2: know it went from looking like maybe she was going to have to grind out a close win to winning by three. Going away. So I think there's two ways. I I really don't think it's a terrible betting race for this reason. If you like a horse like Bleecker Street, who's undefeated, and you get David's morning line of five to two, you're getting a bargain on an undefeated horse. If you like Roger Howard, like I do, and Roger goes even money, I think even money is a good price on Roger. So oh. You
0: know, I I, 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 and, and I put I think... a win bet if Ruggier is even money. I put a win bet, and for all the knuckleheads out there that say Howard, why are you going to put a win bet on? It? It's not about what price they are. It's about value. I think Ruggier should be two to five. So, and, and Paul, it sounds like you sort of feel the same way. So, if yeah, the but, but with the other, money...
2: I don't think I don't think she will be with those other Chads in there.
0: Maybe not Uh, even
2: even though even though she is a euro and and looks better on paper. I mean, people love to see ones, as we all know, and Bleecker Street has run six times and there's six ones. I mean, flighty lady looks like the outsider of of the uh, of team chat here. but, But so they probably should name the race the Mechanicville, New York not just the New York, to, <laughs> and out of respect to uh, the guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Howard. I mean, I'm not looking for even money shots, but it's, it's one of the reasons why I, going backward, I, I am hoping to maybe mer- miraculously beat Jackie's Warrior, you know, because if you start this off with Chad and Jackie's Warrior and Rajir, right. you know, right. now you're not even going to be able to buy me a meatball at Don Pepe's house.
0: <laughs> Wait, I thought you were buying me a meatball. Oh, that's uh... right. I forgot. <laughs> David, my first time in New York, and uh, Paul Hallery knows the restaurants. We're going to Don Pepe's. I don't know if you've been there before, but I hear it's outstanding. And I'm a big, I love Italian. So, uh, Pete, uh, any quick comments, any thoughts from you before we go to the last race?
1: No, I'm going to still ride with Bleecker Street and, and beat all you guys. So uh, I'll take you know me, you know me, Howard, the the gray closers. That's that's right up my alley. I'm going to have obligatory in the third, and and Bleecker Street here, and we're gonna we're gonna go to the bank.
0: So, Pete, I, I, we we have another minute or two before the last race. I want to ask you a serious question. I mean, Ruggier is a closer. So, I, you think Bleaker Street's a better closer? Or you just think it's a horse race, stuff happens? Or, like, do you have a analytical reason why you think this horse is going to beat Ruggier? Or just more gut feeling?
1: No, more just gut feeling. I mean, I like a horse. I mean, obviously, undefeated doesn't say much. But if you're undefeated, you know how to win. And this horse is... This horse comes from way back. This horse closes into hot paces, is closed into a little bit slower paces. And it's one of those where, like you said, maybe one gets maybe one gets stuck somewhere. Maybe one's yeah. on the rail. Maybe one gets the jump. And if Bleecker Street gets the jump, then maybe – just out finishes and and anything can happen when you're, when you're relying on closers, which we're doing in this race, then anything can happen because a closer as, as, as I get costed every week, because I I do love the closers that anything can happen and it can take you out of a race pretty quickly. So I'm going to take a shot. I mean, I, I, I'm not like I'm not going to have tickets with Ruggier on it because I'm not, you know, it's a good horse. So obviously.
0: Before we go to the intercontinental, if, if Flamin Pratt gets stuck inside I will be absolutely irate. I'm pretty sure the source wants to be in the outside. I would be shocked, shocked if Frat doesn't find a way to get the source to the outside, even if he has to drag the source back to last, because I'm pretty sure that Chad said she wants to be in the outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go to last race, guys, because I think we need to talk possibly longest uh, with this race, because this is a very interesting race. Not only is it the last leg of the pick five, it's a huge field. Let me go ahead and uh, press a few buttons here. It's a huge field. And uh, it's pretty wide open field. And you're going to see this by our uh, banners, which I'm going to bring across the screen. There it is right now. I'm mean, going to look across the screen. you got numbers all over the place in this race. This is the Intercontinental. It closes out the pick five. It's a grade three. Uh, it's for Phillies and Mares sprinting. Six furlongs on the turf, $200,000 a field. This is not even the whole field. I'm going to scroll down quickly. Here are the first seven. And then there are a bunch more here. There are... 13 horses in this field and the morning line favorite I'd be careful before I say it. Yes. Is the number four Caraval, a pen for Brad Cox and Tyler Gaff But I think all of us agree that you want to do a little bit of price shopping. And that is exactly what the uh, Naira morning line maker, David Aragona is going to do. Cause David is going with the five jouster for Todd Pletcher and Flavian Pratt.
3: Yeah, like you were saying, I did not want to settle for the shorter prices in a race that fe- that is this wide open. It feels like trips are going to be of the utmost importance in a race like this because there's uh, a lot of horses with similar running styles. Uh, for a 13-horse field, there's not that much pace signed on. It looks like the number six Robin sparkles is the clear early speed. Uh, but behind her, I think it's kind of up for grabs who gets into that stalking spot, who's in mid pack, who's going to have to be shuffled all the way back to come from last. Uh, so uh, in a six for a long race, uh, you don't want to uh, you know have to deal with too much traffic. And I'll just start with Jouster. I, I I may peg her at 12 to one in the morning line. I'd be hoping for a price close to that. Um, I know these Flavian Pratt horses get bet down sometimes, but um, she's the kind of horse that I would want to get a fair price on in a race. That's this wide open. And cause she does have to improve a little bit. She doesn't have the speed figure power of a few others in here, but She was a talented three-year-old early last year, uh, got some favorable pace setups, but she really ran in a few of those early season races like the Appalachian and that, uh, particularly those Gulfstream races early in the year when she first got on the turf. She has a lot of early speed and, it felt even going back to that time that she was one of these horses that could barely get a mile. I mean, she would open up at the seven seven furlongs into a race and just kind of get the rest of the way, kind of gasping for air. So I, I'm not surprised that Pletcher has finally decided to t- turn her back in distance. It took some poor performances at the end of last year for him to to make that decision. But I thought she ran better than it looks last time when she was sixth in that Giants causeway. She's a horse that wants to be much more forwardly placed. But I mean, you could see right at the start, she gets sandwiched between horses, gets shuffled all the way to the back of the pack. She's going to have to run from last in a 13-horse field. That's just not the kind of trip that you ever would have thought she'd be even remotely successful pulling. But she actually did do some running at the end of that race, running past about half the field to get up into sixth. I mean, she was closing in tandem with a horse named Change of Control, who is going to be running in the Jiper on Saturday. She's right
0: there, by the way. Sorry, Dave, right there. I am going to rewind that. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I want people to know the horse they're looking at the sticks here. Go ahead, David
3: yeah i mean she's typically a speed horse and you see right here i mean she breaks in mid-pack and then gets squeezed all the way back to last so uh had some real adversity to overcome and she does do some real running at the end of this race to to pass some horses and make up a little bit of ground the winner is campanelli i mean a very good horse is gonna be running over in royal ascot so i'm not too concerned about the fact that jouster lost by five legs she's gonna have to show better turf sprint speed in this spot and break a lot better if she's gonna be competitive. But I just feel like she's a better horse than her figs coming into this race. So um, I put her on as my top pick. Looking for some value, um, I've got the number four Toby's Heart in there, who I I think I have as the third choice on the morning line. But I just think she's super logical. She's a good turf sprinter. It seems like she shows up every time they run her in an appropriate spot. Uh, she closed into a slow pace last time, so to me, she makes a lot of sense. The other price horse that I have in there for me, I think in third is the number eleven Miss Majorette, who I picked at fifteen to one on the morning line. Another horse that's um, a little bit light in the speed figure department, but I just feel like she's really improving as of late. Uh, she's a five year old that kind of just hit her stride at the end of her four year old season last year, when she ran that deceptively strong fourth from the autumn days. I liked her race off the layoff last time, the license fee. That was a very slow paced race that benefited Miss Jay McKay, who won, and Miss Major Rat was closing well at the end. If there's a bit more speed on in this race, I think she could better that performance and, and potentially uh, you know pick up a minor award or potentially better than that. And she's one that almost has to get lost to the shelf from a wagering standpoint.
0: I, I think you make some excellent points. This just kind of feels like a race that you do want to go price shopping. and I wouldn't necessarily call her a fresh face, David, but you know she's very lightly raced. She's a newly turned five year old Mark Cassie. And, and by the way, I think it was I think it was Paul or maybe it was Pete who talked about the exploits of Dylan Davis. I don't know if it's possible to be underrated based on what he's done in the last maybe year of his career, David, but uh, Dylan Davis is, is very good.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's... If not leading, he's uh, right up at the top of the Belmont Rider standings right now. Um, he takes a lot more mounts than the Ortiz brothers and Flavian and Pratt, but I mean, he's he's uh, winning a lot of races against the uh, best jockey colony in the country. And I mean, if you watched him ride over the winter, it's not a big surprise because he's really stepped up his game.
0: Uh, the P brothers, Pete and Paul, are both going with the same horse, number thirteen, Miss J McKay. And I just want to mention before I turn over to them that this Majorette, if you can see there. Um, just lost to Miss J. McKay only by uh, three lengths last time. So if you like Miss J. McKay, I think there's every reason why you should like the other miss, Miss Majorette. Uh, Pete, I'll let you talk first about Miss J. McKay, nine to two, according to David's morning line.
1: Yeah, I like this one a little bit. I think I, the one thing I do like generally is when a horse comes back and and you see this one came back in in 2022 in that first race back, sort of got pinched a little bit. Was a was a big chalk. I pinched maybe was a little further back than expected. Then the next one gets gets washed off and they're and they're on the synthetic and and doesn't run badly, but it just doesn't run doesn't run great. But then gets back on the turf, gets back doing gets back doing what she wants to do. And, and she wins, you know, she wins relatively comfortably, puts up a nice 96, you know, lifetime buyer top. So I like a horse that seems like, seems like she's still improving. There's some excellent stats with uh, Clement switching to Rosario and Rosario hopefully could work out a trip. Uh, The one thing, and David, I mean, you would know better as the, as a Belmont guy, Is the, at this configuration, it looked like the outside posts may not be the, the best, but I, I wasn't sure there wasn't a ton of there wasn't a ton of races at, at the six furlong going on the turf to to use as a reference. But it, I, that was my big concern was maybe the thirteen hole might not be the best. I don't know if you have thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I mean it is worth pointing out when she won the license the last time that was on the inner turf course, and I believe this Intercontinental is scheduled on the Widener turf course, yes, so it's yes. a little bit less of a run on a straightaway into the turn on the Widener when they go the six for a long distance. So right. maybe that's not as good for the, the uh, wider post positions. I mean, 13 is way, way out there. Uh, so uh, somebody, he's going to have to find a way to tuck in, but I mean, you want Joel Rosario on your back if you're going to try to work out a trip like that in a turf spread. Well, that was my
1: thought. That's why I figured out he could work a trip if he has to nine to two, if if the morning line sticks, then nine to two is not a bad price to pay for that on a horse that I think if is improving and can take us, if somehow could take a step up from that, from that 96, then I think could be, could be one that, again, it's a wide open field. I mean, I had this as a, as a huge spread race, but I, I just kind of like this one as one of my, this is one I just want to definitely have on the ticket aside from maybe four or five other ones.
0: Uh, Pete, you want to quickly talk about the 10 flower point and then Paul, I'll let you also talk about the 10 and the one, and then I'll close up by talking about my picks. Pete flower point is uh turning back. You know what? Turnbacks on the turf. I don't like as much as the dirt. However, uh, this horse has numbers sprinting on the go back that could win.
1: Yeah, that was my thought. It was, I, I, yeah, the turn back, I, I generally like to turn back more on the dirt, but this one, it's not like this one hasn't sprinted and actually is, you know, is one at Belmont, which I like. Also, it was – it sort of regressed a little bit, but I think it was really closing into it was coming off into a into a really slow pace. And and I think the speak of the devil was a monster in Italian in Italians, a really good horse. So it was running behind some pretty good horses in that last one, much better than I think is in this field. So and then two back lost to, a, I think, a next out stakes winner and, and with a 96 buyer. So it's been running against some pretty yeah. good company. But I think if you go back, there are races. That can definitely win, has the highest late pace. So, if they're, or or the second highest late pace, so should be coming, but actually does have enough early pace to hopefully not be too far back, maybe sitting mid pack. And there is, if we do get some speed up front, which there is some potential speed, then maybe you could find someone coming off the pace. But again, my concern was I was leaning on all the outside horses in a race where I think the outside may be at a disadvantage.
0: Yeah, I think she's a little dirtied up because four back in the, and the noble damsel, I'm sure David can speak to this. I mean, Shifty, she just wired the field. That That's a nice horse. Then faced, you know, lost to Gio three back. Uh, technical analysis, you mentioned, uh, just one. So, and then faced, you know, ridiculous field last time where she had absolutely no shot against a complete freakazoid that we're going to talk about tomorrow and speak of the devil. So I, I like your angle there. Paul, did you want to add anything to flower point? And also I wanted you to talk about the one who you have in third
2: yeah I'll, I'll talk about the one howard and and i picked the 13 basically i think it, the race is really gonna be trip dependent i have the five uh as an a david's five uh, you know i went five deep on the caveman i would have gone deeper but uncle howard yells at me when i go over a hundred dollars so i had to keep it to <laughs> 90 <laughs> so i didn't I, I didn't want to be yelled at at belmont park this weekend so i kept it to 90 but uh i think there are a few things to like i mean campanel is obviously a very good horse uh This horse was a clear second to him last time you look at Jorge Abreu's numbers at this meet, uh, two for 31. If you noticed last weekend, his, I thought his horses started to run much better starting last weekend. Um, so I like that it's second off the layoff Johnny V it's his third time on the horse. Um, and, and again, where I think a lot's going to depend on trip, there's no reason why she can't get a good trip from the hedge. So uh, that that's my angle on her. And my angle on the 13 was talking about the trip. You know, I think it's one of those races that afterwards you just say, uh, you know, similar to the Gold Cup, you say, oh, yeah, of course a, a Euro was going to win at this. You say, well, yeah, of course Rosario was going to get the best trip. It was a turf sprint. So, I mean, I, I agree yeah. the 13 not ideal, but – I think that could be mitigated by him. So, um,
0: I'm, but I am five or six deep at least yeah. in this race. All of us are very deep. I'll just be very quick. I like Toby's heart. Not by a lot. I'm not, I, I'd probably want a little more than five to one more line, but like David had mentioned, I, I love uh pace, a uh, horse that closes into a slow pace. And it seemed like, this horse is better when they take her back a little bit because, the you know, two starts back in the Monrovia. She was up close. Then she tried to go like two turns. I think she's a bit dirty up. I like Jose Ortiz here. I think there's a lot of confidence in this horse. And I, I like I think she's going to be in a terrific stalking spot. I have Caravelle in second. Now, no one has really talked about Caravelle, maybe because people are trying to get a price. And she's, you know, David's morning line. Uh, favorite. But, I mean, if you go back, I mean, what has this horse done wrong at all? I mean, she's going to set a real nice trip. She's 8 for 14. I saw someone mention in the chat that perhaps she doesn't want, uh, you know, a, a wet or turf course. So I'll have to take a look at that again. She's been running mainly on firm. So that does, you know, seem to be a legitimate statement. If it comes up a little softer, maybe I'll be more against her. But, I mean, I think she's very good and very honest. And then we already talked about the thirteen. I don't really need to mention this is a complete wide open spread race. And if it's going to be chalky before you got to try to find a price somewhere. And that's what we're all basically trying to do. Let's talk about our pick fives here. And David, I'm going to have you go first and David really appreciate your time. David, do you have about, do you have 10 more minutes here? You good?
3: Yeah, sure. That's fine. Okay,
0: great. I appreciate that. I don't mean to, keep you longer than you expected. Let me go ahead and take uh, let's put it take everything off the screen there. We're gonna talk about our, our ticket construction now as I take that off. Let's talk about your pick five. And I need to say it first, uh, because of course we're gonna have people listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Uh anchor, they're not gonna see the pick. So David's very affordable pick five. Twenty one dollars if I calculate that correctly, David. He's going one six with one four five with three with two with 1, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11 13. again one six with one four five with three with two with 7-9, 11 13. David you're basically turning this into a pick three and trying to get price in those other three legs correct?
3: Yeah, I mean, essentially, and uh, this is just a caveman style play. If I was playing this myself, I'd emphasize some of the opinions a little bit more. In the last race, I'd try to take a surgical knife and try to have some more money on a few than others, use more horses in earlier legs with my top picks like Jouster and uh, Toby's Heart. Uh, So, uh, But yeah, in the first leg, I used those two horses that uh, we all talked about, Jane Gray and the favorite speaks for itself. Uh, I went three deep in the Belmont Gold Cup, those two Euros, along with Strong Tide, who uh, we talked about the merits of. uh, He was the American that I liked the most in there. Like I said, okay. singles in the next two, the two big favorites, Jackie's Warrior and Rugier, to me, they're very likely winners, and I did not want to invest a lot in trying to beat them. And uh, the last leg, just uh, trying to spread and find some prices in there. I, I did include a couple of the favorites, but I have uh, plenty of prices in there. Uh, you know, the one star divine, uh, who we talked about a little bit, and my two horses that I like as prices, the number five joust or the number 11, Miss Majorat, who I'd want to have quite a bit of play going through.
0: Yeah, I, I like your ticket. It's certainly a it's kind of ticket that's extremely affordable. and You can press up and try to hit it more than once. And as we talk about the other three pick five, I just want to let the live viewers at home, it's such a great opportunity to have a Morning Line maker on the show. If you have any questions with David Aragona whatsoever, now's a great time to put them in the chat. I'll pick one or two when we're done, and we'll close the show with those questions for uh, David. Pete, let's go to your pick five here. One, four, five, six with two, five, six. With three, with two, three, five with one four nine ten thirteen. Again one four five six two five six three two three five one four nine ten thirteen ninety dollars. Pete explain your ticket.
1: Yeah and the first leg since I thought speaks for itself you hope maybe there's some regression there and if you can if you can start the 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 first leg off beating a pretty big favorite I think that could be useful. Second leg, again, I had a couple prices in there with the with the five and the six, and then I had a bond in there. But I thought I had enough prices there. I can go skinny but still have prices where I can then single Jackie's Warrior. The, the fourth leg is probably – I wouldn't probably bet this ticket with the fourth leg. I'm not going to take the three Chad Brown chalks and put them – on my A ticket. But, and I was, I just wasn't sure yet who I would whittle it down to. I don't know if I'd be comfortable singing, singling, since I do like the five. Maybe i just go five, two there and drop the three. And then if I wanted to either, you know, up the denomination there or go a little skinnier in the last one. And the last one, like we said, I think that's just sort of a spread race. So I have enough prices in there. I have, I have the lower, one lower priced horse, maybe two, but enough prices in there to make it, hopefully make the last race. Be the one that, that jacks the price up a bit.
0: Yeah, with smaller fields, you definitely want to take advantage of an ABC ticket construction so you can press up your pinions even stronger. Uh, Paul, you're going 1 6 with 124, with 3 4, with 235, with 156 10 13. Go ahead and explain your ticket, Paul. $90.
2: Yeah, the two logicals in the first, uh, the two euros with a bond in the second. And again, this is why. I would never play it as a caveman. I would never give um, right. Baby Yoda equal billing to Jackie's <laughs> Warrior. But since Echo Howard makes me pick a caveman every week, just I just to make it simpler pick for a people caveman. at home that
0: don't know ABC, so, so I have to explain so, this to uh, every show why we're <laughs> <yes. you> cavemen. <laughs> uh,
2: so you know, again, uh, I, I would never play that with equal weight. But you know, again, if we can beat her, uh, and then I have, uh, I have. Uh, the three of the, uh, two of the Chad Browns. No, I have all three Chad Browns, right? Two, three, five.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I have three Chad Browns and then, and then the spread in the last race. And I would like to say that I did have Mr. Aragona's jouster on my caveman ticket.
0: There you go. So there. By the way, uh, very nice thoughts from Richard. Richard, thanks for the nice comments Dish I just showed, uh, to, uh, David, here's my uh, pick five. Everyone, uh, and again, we all usually play ABCs. $90 ticket. Uh, one six seven with one two three four seven, with three six with two, with four five seven nine eleven thirteen. It's a $90 ticket. Again, I would not weigh uh, sound money. Is that the six? Sound money. I would not weigh sound money equally with Jackie's Warrior. I think he's interesting. If something again, something strange happens to Jackie's Warrior. Sound Money's is the only other horse I'd consider using in the True North, and I love Rogier. Um, and I'd single Rogier instead of Jacker's Warrior for value purposes. Maybe Rogier is, I think it's probably fair to say, not as likely a winner as Jacker's Warrior from a value perspective. Uh, that's where I'd go to single. They're both going to be low prices, spread in the last race, $90 uh, ticket. That's my play. Uh, David, I saw one very easy question to ask you as we close the show. Uh, a Roth wants to know who's winning the Belmont, David.
3: Uh, I, uh, did not do much price shopping in the Belmont. I, I picked the morning line favorite. We, the people, uh, just feels like he's going to get the right trip. He's in great form right now. And, uh, he, he just feels like the kind of horse that could take advantage of this Belmont field. That's full of a lot of plotters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it just, uh, David, what, what's the last question feeling on why just the field size, the Belmont smaller, just. I know Todd's got some nice horses that just would point to later, you know, the Jim Dandy and whatnot. It's just a mile and a half is just a tough distance. A lot of these horses just uh, not used to be running at or will never run at in their career.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Belmont is kind of an interesting race in that I don't think anybody really wants to run in it. I mean, all things being equal, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, horses run in it when they have to, if they're going for a triple crown or if, uh, you know, it really is going to benefit them in the Eclipse Award discussion. Uh, but uh, generally, I think Connections are looking for any excuse to skip the going a mile and a half distance, which uh, they feel can sometimes knock a horse out for later in the year. Um, so, uh, you know, typically the Belmont, uh, you you get some specialists that want to go that far. But I understand why a lot of trainers are, are skipping the race.
0: Yeah, well, listen. It's Mike
3: Rapoli awesome. wants to, uh, David, Mike
2: Rapoli
0: wants to run it.
3: <laughs> he does, always.
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen, David, we really appreciate being on the show. You were, when I sent out, uh to a bunch of new york uh people you know the personalities who can we get on for the week david was honestly the first one to respond right away you've been a big supporter of the show david we really do appreciate it like i said I'll, i'll i'm getting on a flight tomorrow to my first trip not only to belmont but to a triple crown race i'd love the opportunity to meet you in person buy you a beverage or a drink so i'll be there friday and saturday david so i'll send you a dm or an email and hopefully uh uh, we we can uh, take care of that. Any closing thoughts for our viewers for the entire weekend, David? It's going to be spectacular.
3: No, sounds good. I'll be around the track on Saturday so uh, that we can meet up then. And yeah, no, good luck to everybody out there. Uh, hopefully you can find some opportunities in these small fields, but just enjoy the great racing action that's uh, supposed to be on tap for Saturday.
0: Well, thanks, David. Appreciate it. For David Aragona, Pete Visco, and Paul Howland, this has been episode 146 of the HHH Racing Podcast. tomorrow, 9 p.m. again, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, the Big A. Anthony Stabil will be making his debut, and I'll be at a hotel doing the show. So we hope to see you tomorrow night to cover this great Saturday Belmont Stakes card. Have a great evening, everyone. Good luck on Friday. Take care.